So new revelations and new documents revealed in the alleged sexual assault of a woman in 2018 by members of then Canada's World Junior Hockey Team. It's caused quite a scandal. You certainly have heard about it. It's been one of the news stories of the year. Robin Doolittle is the outstanding award-winning investigative reporter for The Globe and Mail, and she spent some time talking about what she discovered in this documentation and lays it all out for us on Toronto Today. Uh, Hockey Canada elected a new board over the weekend. Um, They always seem to be in the news. We were saying uh, around the house uh, that it's going to be really interesting again. The, The summer tournament, there was a summer world juniors that they couldn't get in because of uh, COVID-19, they put the Women's World Hockey Championships in Denmark in the summer. And they did a World Juniors as well in Alberta to make up for um, what was missed at, at Christmas time. They tried to have the tournament at Christmas and ended up struggling because a lot of COVID positive tests, you know, Omicron and all that. So they ended up scrubbing the tournament. So then they play it in the summer and it was a real dud. Nobody watched. Um, and I think the logo, the name Everything was still swirling at the time. I'll be real curious to see where this World Juniors uh, goes. And and yes, as well, the next Women's Worlds, um, because I think that factors in uh, as well. So yesterday, brand new stuff in the Globe and Mail based on um, police in London, Ontario, uh, in essence, going to the Ontario Court of Justice and saying, we think we have something here. We think we have a case. Remember, this is the second time the London Police Service has looked at it here. And uh, busting that open yesterday for the Globe and Mail is the fantastic Robin Doolittle. Robin, thank you very much for making time uh, for our show this morning. I appreciate you getting up early. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, So you did some digging here and you find I think this this certainly makes the case that London police aren't just shoving this under the mat, under the carpet. There's a lot of work that's been done by London police that obviously led up to this court document dated October 17th. So there'd be weeks of preparation and and study and interview going into it. What's the next step here uh, between London police services and the judge they asked for these investigative measures? Yeah, so what this is, is the London police applied for a series of things to help their investigation. They wanted um, some warrants, uh, production orders, um, and they have to go to a judge to get those things. And when they do that, they lay out a large part of their case in a document, and it's 94 pages long, and it includes summaries of interviews with players, it includes um, summaries of the interview that they did with EM. Mm-hmm. Um, they sent this to the judge in October, and we know that the order that they asked for, one of them was approved. And so the thing that they were looking at that I write about a little bit more in detail is they wanted the note. Um, uh, or the fruits of the investigation, as it's called, uh, from a law firm, uh, Heenan Hutchinson, that's doing the Hockey Canada investigation. So they wanted to get their independent um, Mm. materials to, to look at against what they've collected themselves. Does the judge still have to authorize this? Has the judge decided one way or the other to do this or not to do this based on on what the police are looking for? Uh, it, it, it looks as though that, yes, that the, they were successful, mm-hmm. but that the, the law firm has handed over the relevant materials to the police. And the police are doing this again because they want to compare, you know, if the lawyer from Ian Hutchinson, Daniel Robitaille, 
um, investigated players and the players gave her an interview. Are the players interviews with her the same as the ones that they gave to them? Robin Dula is our guest from the Globe and Mail on Toronto Today. I remember in the summer, and you'd remember it real well also, when uh, these these videos uh, appeared and these text message exchanges came out. And it was the players and their lawyers that wanted that out there in, in the public sphere, I- into the ether. And I thought about that, and a lot of people probably asked you, and they certainly asked me about it too. Um, and I said, it, it must be the only way they feel that they can somehow prove consent. Um, it doesn't sound like this particular police officer putting this document together necessarily believes that those videos um, cr- create a situation where they're where their clients are innocent. But that struck me as the motivation. Why would the lawyers and the players want this out there? That struck me as the only reason to do that last summer. Yeah, I mean, those lawyers contacted uh, the Globe and Mail. It was two mm-hmm. of my colleagues, Joe Friesen and Colin Fries, that went and, and looked at those videos. And there was a text message exchange as well between one of the players and the, the complainant. Certainly the lawyer's position was that they felt that this showed consent. And the in, in the video, she is saying, um, this is, yes, I'm okay with this. And the question is, okay, well, is she saying that because she is okay with it? Or is she saying that because she's in a small hotel room with, you know, as many as up to 12 players or eight players, depending on the different point of the night, and she's too afraid? It, it doesn't say that in this document. It's... Um, it's it's laying out the facts. The the big I think revelation in this this I mean there's a couple big revelations mm-hmm. in this latest document that's new. Um, the, one is the it, that in this new investigation that London police have done because remember they they opened one in 2018 when it first happened, closed in February 2019 saying there wasn't enough evidence. Then after all the media scrutiny, they reopened the case. And the big new revelation that they say is they found a group text message chat between members of the world junior hockey team. And in that chat, that's another thing that they were seeking a warrant to obtain because some of the players turned over that chat on thumb drives. Um, And, uh, but they haven't, they haven't gone through them yet because there's, you know, evidentiary legal reasons that they wanted to get a judge to approve that. But players discuss the types of messages that are in this chat and the big thing is that the the one player who's identified as player one is alleged to have said in the chat, there's a girl in my room if anyone is interested in you know a specific sex act mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to come here. And that there's kind of like this like calling of them together and that it was discussed. So that's one big thing. And the other big thing um, is that the it, it appears that Hockey Canada gave the one of the players a heads up that the police had been contacted because it it states that he then reached out to the complainant to say, why did you go to police? You need to make this go away after getting that heads up. Well, the the former executive Scott Smith and uh, and retired executive Tom Rennie, um, I I watched their testimony um, in late summer, I think it was August, and they said they didn't know the identity of the eight players involved. Right. <laughs> then, then it was it was you know that 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 I raised an eyebrow. Then, when I read what you wrote over the weekend, I find it utterly impossible to believe that that's the case. And I'm sure there's a lot of people watching this circumstance and watching this evidence grow to, that also believe it to be impossible. I it does. I mean, based on what this says. It's, it seems highly unlikely that at least someone at Hockey Canada did not know 
the identities at least of the one player because mm-hmm. it is alleged that the complainant's mother's husband um, contacted Hockey Canada about this, forwarded a photo, and then the player uh, of the of the player because another thing that that is mentioned in the the document is that the player was trying to give the allegedly the complainant a fake name. And she says it was odd because she kept hearing other people call him something else. And she would ask, yeah. well, wait, why is this? Is it, what's, what's your name? But when he messaged her on, on Instagram, that's when she realized his real name, but she'd forwarded a photo because there were lots of photos taken at the bar that, that night that were posted on on the bar's Facebook page. And that photo was forwarded to Hockey Canada. And then that player allegedly got a heads up from someone within Hockey Canada that he'd been flagged in this this investigation. Mm. Or I shouldn't say that he'd been flagged. He got a heads up that there was a police investigation. Right, right. Robin Doolittle is our guest, kind (laughs) enough to join us on Toronto today from the Globe and Mail. Two last questions for you. One, is is there something that leaps out when it's noted police investigators believe five members of the team sexually assaulted this woman? Because we've always heard about eight players. Is it possible that they've looked and and looked and said three? We couldn't possibly find criminal charges against the three. And it's also possible, isn't it? And I'm speculating. I realize that that the three may go. We need this over with. Like there's a there's clearly been a dark cloud under every member of the team that went to London for this fundraising gala. But three of the players may say. I, I, I've got to, I've got to end this, and I, I'm not, I'm not hesitant to talk to police about the other five now at this point. Well, they all talk. This is what's interesting. They all talk to police. Like mm-hmm. I shouldn't say they all. I think there are, um, there's interviews, and I don't have the number exactly. I, I believe eight gave interviews with police, and and three gave written statements. Like because there's there's 16 players that are interviewed in various capacities, or dealt with, or looked at in this um, in this document. And because the question here is not, was there sexual contact? It's, was there consent? Mm-hmm. The players in their interviews say, you know, oh, I saw this player engaging in this. I saw this player engaging in this. Um, it appears that they're saying, you know, I engaged in this, although a lot of it is redacted. Um, but they're not, they're not saying that I saw this person sexually assaulting the other person necessarily. You can't see that, but they're, they are describing sex acts. So those statements you know, there are certainly there are witness players and there are there are, um, I guess, for lack of a better word, suspect suspect yeah. players. So, as you said, they focused on five players. And I think that that's really significant. I have to say that that there are yeah. there are five players that they say that there are reasonable grounds to lay charges against, at least at the time that they wrote this document. I know you had a you had a conversation with EM um, and wrote about it. Um, mm-hmm. How do you think? How do you think this news lands for her? She she at, at, at one point, I think, had given up on these players being charged. Obviously, um, there was a statement of claim she filed that was quickly um, paid out whether or not the three point five five million was reached. Um, but 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 it was a very, very quick job, which is what generated a lot of this attention in the first place. How do you think all this new information lands with her knowing knowing what you know of her from the conversation and how traumatizing all this has been? Uh, I have not spoken with her. I want to make that clear, yeah. but um, I, I'm I am speculating, but that it's very mixed because on one hand she had indicated from some of our previous stories and the previous coverage that it was frustrating seeing pieces of what happened written about, but not the whole written about, mm-hmm. and that 
the entire context of the night has been unknown and it's been really challenging watching everybody discuss it in that way. So um, I'm sure that there is some relief in seeing mm-hmm. because this the the, the story to that, that's in the Globe and Mail today is it's a three thousand word account of the like the, the fullest picture of what transpired. Like it it, go, it goes the whole way through the night and into the next days. Um, yeah. And at the same time, there are a lot of, and as the writer, you it's difficult doing this part. There are details in there that I'm sure are painful that are out there. I mean, the there's there's an interview with her mother who found her. That's right. Yeah. Uh, crying in the shower the next morning, kind of holding her knees and rocking back and forth. And you just, I, I think it is mm. an important detail because it, it's uh, to include in this piece for a variety mm. of reasons, but it's, that is painful to have out in the world. And it's this awful balance that you have to do as a writer writing about these types of things. It is. It is. It's phenomenal investigative work. Robin, thanks for getting up early for our show and, and really appreciate your time this morning. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much. You bet. Robin Doolittle from the Globe and Mail.